0: I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Hey, hey, welcome back. I am here with Karen Padetti. And she was actually born and raised in upstate New York and graduated um, from Nazareth College with an accounting degree. So she began her career as a CPA, but now she actually made her riches and even has a book called Rags to Riches um, through a, it, from a salon, right? Um, from taking a salon and making even $100,000 a year, just working two and a half days a week. So sounds like she knows a little bit about growing a business, a lot about efficiency and doing it well. And I know um, when we spoke just recently, just right before we started recording, actually, she said, you know, it's all about the end goal and knowing your numbers. So before we jump into that, um, tell us a little about your kind of the path that you took and how you went from CPA to owning salons in the beauty industry. Not that we're telling you as financial professionals to jump ship and go to salons, but we still want to know the story. So tell us a little bit about that and then we'll get into the nitty gritty.
1: So I knew kind of at a young age, um, I I loved the beauty industry. I remember kind of falling in love with it. My mom taught modeling and we went one day and they were doing runways and, and shooting commercials. We had our hair and our makeup done. And I just remember that feeling of wow. Like I felt like I was transformed, and I, and and I was just like eight years old. And I thought, wow, at this moment, I feel like I can do anything in life. I really felt that at such a young age, and I just remember loving the feeling. So after I did the CPA world and the Fortune 500 companies, I was. I was just like, this is not my passion. This is not who I am. Um, And I started thinking, I remember that feeling. And I love that. And I thought, I want to help people feel better, look better. So I uh, quit a financial job making a ton of money. And I went back to school and got all my laser electrolysis, aesthetics, all my licensing and I really, at the time, wanted to be a stay-at-home mom as well. So I started working two days, two and a half days a week. I was making a hundred thousand dollars. I kept saving and saving because I thought, okay, I'd like someday to have a business outside of the house. And my, I knew it then. I wanted to own a building, and I wanted to have that as an asset. And I wanted to have a business where I, I could be anywhere and have the people in the roles that they needed to be in so I could um, do other things as well. And the one thing I loved about our industry, I didn't want someone telling me how much money I can make. I didn't want somebody to say, you can only make this amount. I'm like, no, I'll work my ass off. and uh, But I, w- I want to make the money as well. So that's kind of where it all started. So did so you take I, it
0: to like a brick and mortar and then you had a team running that and you had like so where are you now as far I mean you're doing podcasts and you got a book Rag stretches, but what was that besides just like being a stay at home mom make you know working two and a half days a week where where did it go to or or how where did you get to and where are you now I guess cuz I don't necessarily know the the landing point
1: Yeah so um so what I did is I first bought a small spa. Um, and that was my first thing I wanted, I bought a small spa and unfortunately I bought it, but it was 30 days from going bankrupt. So I met five people who worked for it. And I said, this is the circumstances we're in. I need to make tough decisions. You're either on board with me or you're not, but do you want to make more money? Cause you're making crappy money too. And so oh, wait, you I-
0: bought, you bought a salon that was on its, you bought it because it was going bankrupt or once you bought it, it went started to go bankrupt.
1: No, I bought it and there wasn't two sets of books. So oh, it was a, snap. Nah. Yeah. So
0: no wonder I you're so into it. the numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause when I bought it, I, it was in good faith and I was shown this and there were signatures written off on it. And that really wasn't the real books. There was Whoa. another set of real books. Scandalous. That comes up on yes so thankfully i didn't buy the person's liabilities so i bought the assets but i still needed to turn the company around
0: right right so right that, so you the people who the five people who were there were actually already on the team yes okay so so and, now you bring us to the point where you say to them we're going did you tell them we're going we're on our way to bankruptcy oh
1: like, yeah i made yeah. it all out showed them everything showed them this is the first set of books and look at now what okay. we have over here. And so
0: you're so like, they, are you in, or are you out or what? So then what did you tell them?
1: Yeah. And I said, I can turn it around. I can make you make more money. Um, you know, and they, they looked at me like I was crazy, of course, but then they were like, okay. And so I bought it then to February. And by that December, we made a profit of $250,000. Oh,
0: wow. So, so you yep. did not go bankrupt.
1: No, we did not. Yeah, we
0: did. Wow. No. Okay. And then, did all five stay with you?
1: We stay stayed with me, and uh-huh. I took on more space and put a salon on. So I hired stylus and we were growing. And then in two thousand eight, I bought um, the second laser hair removal in all of Rochester. As you know, two thousand eight was a bad year. A lot of stuff yes. going on, but we 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 uh, doubled our profit that year. Oh wow! So we were doing pretty well. So then again, I kept thinking my end goal was to buy a real building and have the assets. So we started looking. My husband and I bought the building together, and we bought a sixteen thousand square foot building. It's on one of the busiest intersections. And now nine thousand square feet of it is for my salon, spa, and laser center, mm-hmm. and the rest I rent out. Nice. And so then I wrote a book, and the book is now a course for people in the beauty industry as well. So, awesome. yeah one of, one of the questions you asked is like, I make every decision based on the financials running it front ways, back ways. This is what I'd like. This is what I think. These are the things that could happen. So yeah.
0: Okay. So let's bring that to like a financial business, because I have a feeling that if it was a golfing business, you still would have been able to turning, turn it around. If it was a financial company, you still would have been able to turn around if you were selling doodads or I don't know, as long as it wasn't, you know, maybe film like Kodak, you probably would have been able to turn it around. So yeah. Tell us about like, how did you do that? When you say, look at the, at the financials, I would, you would think that financial advisors would kind of be like, duh, but I can tell you not to throw my lovely, amazing clients under the bus, even though they're just kind of like anyone, it's like hard to be your own coach to yourself. We don't always follow our own advice. Um, just like why advisors need coaches and coaches need coaches and therapists need therapists. It's like business coaches need business coaches. Like we, we all, we, we always have blind spots. Right. But I do find that you know, financial advisors know. Hey, you know, hey, high net worth client. Like, of course, you need to understand your numbers. Of course, you need a financial plan. Of course, you need to make decisions based on where you are and where you want to be. But then, oftentimes, I find that you know, the 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 clients that come to me, they're not necessarily clear about their numbers. They don't really, they don't necessarily even know what KPIs are. And again, not to throw them under the bus, but the focus of becoming a financial advisor is not actually. Wearing the business owner, wearing the entrepreneur hat. It's actually more about getting licensed, knowing what products that are going to be best for your clients, understanding how to do a financial plan, even as a CFP. It's all about retirement solutions and taxes and all these things. It's not about how do you actually be a business owner and grow a business successfully. And I think also there's a crutch because so many advisors have recurring revenue, unlike many companies, um, it's like a luxury that, oh, they have their AUM and they get their, you know, fee on their asset center management. And so uh, I typically find that they're not super clear on the numbers. So what can you tell them about knowing their numbers and what maybe specific KPIs they can look at that can really help push the needle and get them to be more of a business owner and have that high profit and um, more sustainable success?
1: So first of all, um, my first thing is you know, every industry has their own kind of set of numbers. Like, for instance, in the beauty industry, 50% of what comes into a salon spa or is going to be paid out immediately in commissions or salary. So we we have that working against us. So you really kind of need to know your niches a little bit for each kind of industry or, or who your person is or what what they have and what they're looking for. So when I say that, it's was like um, for our retail, like retail sales, we need to know exactly where there is because we need to know if they're in the 18 percent, 22 percent. So when I say look at it, I want you to go line by line and kind of say, is this in the right norm? Because I'll bet at least half of them you'll say, oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. And really at the bottom line, you could probably find anywhere from 10 to 25, $30,000 because you're not really where you're supposed to be.
0: Okay, so I can help you with that. So for example, like just insight as far as what they might, what type of expenses, you're talking about expenses and lowering expenses. Is that what you mean? Okay, so yeah, obviously it's a different industry, but I think there's so much we can learn from other industries. So, um, So they have like, It depends, right? If they own their own REA firm, which is similar to you saying, well, yeah, and then they have other advisors under them, they're going to have commission similar and some of depending on how those people are paid, it may be that they have a certain haircut. So, you know, the, they might keep a certain percentage start or it might be an override, but most I would say, you know, I'm guessing who's listening and please correct me if I'm wrong and send us a message to supporter and say, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what I'm going through um, because I'm only guessing the, the people I usually attract, but typically they're on some sort of commission based on um, either assets under management, and you don't really think of it as a commission, it's more like an asset-based fee, or um, they are on a on a commission, maybe insurance or maybe some sort of commission, depending on what products they put people in. Um, but usually there's some sort of like haircut the company takes. So let's say I might have my GDC, my gross, what is the dealer commissions? I think it's called of a um, hundred grand. Let's just use easy numbers. But I might only get 60% of that. And so now I'm at 60%. And depending on the company, sometimes they'll pay for your some of your office or something, times they won't. So I, I think what it comes down to, regardless of like kind of the top, uh, let's say the top expenses, which are typically like hard to negotiate like errors in commission or errors in omission insurance and things like that. But I think what happens is technology in any company starts to add up. Like, what are you paying for now for your marketing? And is it actually making you money? Because we typically are throwing money, at least I know in my business, there's so much software, you know, so many softwares we're using and they might be using, you know, financial advisor type software to do, or, or excuse me, financial planning type software and things like that. But we start to lose track of it. And then they don't even understand the numbers. It's just like, here's like all these expenses going out. And how am I making so little when I feel like I had so much, you know? So I think for me, and this is my advice to financial advisors, yes, looking at expenses, like you're saying, Karen is really important. And there's probably wiggle room there for everyone. Like, are you really taking advantage of that? Even human resources. If you have someone on your team, like, are you actually, are they at full capacity? Are they to, you know, really being utilized fully because most people aren't. And you find that you end up, you know, letting go of someone. And before you know it, like the one person that's left ends up doing both. And is totally still fine because they rise to the occasion, right? But I think the other thing is um, KPIs right? It's like, what is actually your key performance indicators? What is pushing the needle? And um, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but like, for example, we have something called the seven-step marketing plan. And what we teach there first and foremost is just to get clear on like, where did your last ideal clients come from? Like where did the last clients come from in the last 12 months? Who is actually an ideal client that you want to duplicate? Which source of marketing or prospecting did they actually come from? Are you putting money in there? Are you putting team in there? Are you putting time and energy in there? And then we optimize because so many people are just like, I'm doing a bunch of stuff and I don't even know where the clients are coming from. It's not really intentional. I work with anyone and everyone. And so they don't even really look at those marketing KPIs. And so they can't duplicate or replicate their results. So, anything to add around that? I know I had to kind of bring you to the industry here, but make sure that they can relate to what you're saying.
1: No, no. And, and you know what? When you talk about your niche, when you market to everybody, you're marketing to no one. So, in, in, in whatever field you're in, the more you can narrow down your ideal clients. And again, in my book, it, there's a whole chapter on ideal client and it will go over what restaurants. I mean, they you have a profile that goes, goes, goes. And when you can focus and funnel it down into them, that's where the people are going to find you and love you. And they're the other ones that are going to you know, praise and talk about you and bring you more clients. So ideal is always the best. And I do see that often where people, I'm trying this, I'm trying this, I'm trying this, and you say, okay, what is working? And they're like, I don't know. I'm doing a lot of things. They're all good. They're all great, but you don't even know what's working, what isn't working, and where you're getting your leads from. So I always tell people, bring it all back to the center and start again with your niche who it is and really take do one thing at a time. If it works, stay with it. If it doesn't, go to something else. Because like all of us, start trying so many things because we want, you know, we want their ideal client and we're trying so many things. And it just doesn't end up working that well. So yeah. really narrow it down as much as possible and have that one person you're marketing to because they will be the ones who will find you.
0: I love that. And I love that you said one person because I'm super obsessed with that. I actually call it cloning your ideal client. And um, you can get her book, Rags to Riches. That, And I would supplement that also with a uh, podcast 94, episode 94 here. Uh, it was on November 2nd, 2022. I just looked it up, but how to find and clone your ideal client. I talk about that all the time um, because it is gonna save you so much time. I mean, you guys are so busy servicing clients. It's like the thing is with financial advisors, it's like you get clients and they hardly ever leave, which is the best thing about it. It probably happens a lot in in your industry as well, because it's like people go to the same place to get their haircut. If you're going to get, you know, all this anti-aging done, you go to the same place and you have to go forever. Unfortunately, we keep aging. Um, but yeah. once you get really clear on who that is, you can market to them and, and, you, and so that you're not just so busy that you can't, you're trying to do everything. So you're servicing all these clients and you got to just go get ideal clients. I talk about how to just go go after 10, because even in, in this industry, it's very high level and you don't need a ton if you get the right client. So I love that. Um, talk a little bit about the end game. So end goal, I think you said. Um, so when you're talking about like the end goal, what is it that specifically that you teach or that you talk about that will really help them kind of skyrocket their revenue? Cause I think too, it's like, okay, know your numbers, make sure you're really clear about that niche, your target market, or what I call the ideal clone. Um, but how have you really gotten clear on the end goal that's helped you? What I would imagine is like well beyond what you even at first maybe thought possible, like to be able to grow even faster.
1: Yeah, so one of my things I always do when I go because I always did consulting for salon and spas around the United States. I'd go into them, and you would think everyone was, you know, yes, everyone wants to make money. But what is your goal? Do you want to retire? in uh france or naples florida or the cottage i mean what where do you want to end up where do you want to be and how much do you want in the bank where do you want to be how much do you want to be in the bank how much do you do you want a legacy for for children or not i mean exactly if you could iron that out what age do you want to have it done and then then you start saying okay you are here you're going to want to get here and be as clear as possible. If you want the Maserati and the, you know, something, put it all down there and then say, okay, in order to get from here to there, you need this, this, and this X amount of money. You're going to have to have this in savings. You're going to have to, you know, if you want to pay for your kid's college education someday, do Sounds that. like you're a
0: financial advisor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but really I mean t- so when I went to my you know some people are like you know I'm happy making 150,000 some were like I want to hit the 10 million dollar mark and then uh, I may retire but when I retire I'm going to still be doing something so you got to figure out exactly where it was like I knew I wanted a building at a young age I knew I wanted um, to leave a legacy for my girls I knew like I wanted to pay for their kids' college education. So I have like a whole list of stuff that I've been working towards and doing. Um, and and then I have my, you know, one year, three year, five year plans. And I keep ch- checking it off, checking it off, trying just keep moving forward to get there. So
0: And then do you read that? Like, do you have goals that you read every day or you look at our vision board? What is your philosophy on that?
1: Um, I have a vision board every year. And so I've kept them for the last 25 years and they're in a file. I make my, I have two daughters. I make them do it just to see where they are. Um, So I do that. We, we have family goals, like, you know, we're going to Europe on vacation. So we do that as well. And yeah, I look at them all the time. You know, I, I haven't even decided if I want to retire, I would be much older because I would be drive everyone in my family nuts. So, I know I need to be busy, but I want. but in the meantime, I want to do, you know, my thing. So yeah, I am very goal oriented. If you don't write it down, if you don't continuously look at it, you know, I have month plans, I have year plans and that's how I've always done it. If you don't have a plan, you're never going to get there. It's like losing weight.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's just, you know, you can't keep eating your cookies and think, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to drink more water and it's not just not going to happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I appreciate that. That's yeah. And it's funny again, because we, like I said, we all kind of get stuck in our own stuff. Like, we believe as financial advisors that having a plan is crucial, and then we don't always do it ourselves. And it's not again to say like oh you you suck or you're doing something wrong, but it's it's just to remind you of the importance of that. And um, I not too long ago, about a month or so ago, I went to a vivid vision retreat. I even had you guys can go back to episode 120 um, with Jennifer Hootie. We talked about having a vision-driven business, um, and we got really clear on what is that vision in every aspect to the point of we even it was funny we were doing like this breath work exercise. And she, she gave us like a little like essential oil spray so that when we're going into this vision, you kind of spray it and you anchor yourself even to a smell so that it had a little bit of orange and mint. And it's like, now it's like, I just sprayed it yesterday or maybe it was today. I don't know. I sprayed it and I was like, ah, you know, like brought me back because we usually think about just like one, one or two of the senses. It's like, what do you see? Maybe you might say, what do you hear? You know, but if we really like bring the senses, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? You know, what do you touch? Um, what uh, What am I missing? What do you smell? Right. Those things taste too. It's like I'm sitting there and like overlooking the ocean from my, bit, you know, my house with all the windows and I'm having, I don't drink coffee, but I'm sipping my coffee with this, you know, it's this smell of caramel and vanilla in the room as it steams in my nose. And I taste it like, it sounds crazy. But the more that we can see it, feel it, hear it, taste it, touch it, smell it, all those things, the the more real it will be. And so getting super clear, like, I like how practical you are. It's like, just like advisors. It's like I said, you sound like an advisor. It's like one year, three year, five year, you know, 10 year plus goal, whatever. Great. Great and and then you take it to that next level of you vision it and we just did vision boards with my kids um and they're 3, 5 and 16 and they were just cutting things out and like it's just hilarious like i don't even know like some of the things they just cut out were like they just liked it but it was cool they just were you know gluing it on and then we talked about our family values um like how important it is to be nice and to respect each other and it's like we want them to have an anchor to that the family goals and family values and also understand so that they feel like they can communicate with us and tell us what do they want. And then we believe like, yeah, you can have it. And I remember when my daughter, my oldest daughter was probably I don't know, four or five. And she, it was maybe it was three, I don't know, but she wanted to fly. And that was really hard for me because it was like, I'd be like, yeah, you can totally fly. Like you can fly in your dreams Um, because I didn't want to tell her, like, you're not going to turn into a fairy and be able to, to fly. But we tried to encourage her in a way that wouldn't make her feel like, no, you can't fly. And here she is at 16 years old. She's taking pilot lessons, you know, and I didn't tell her to do that. It was like, she, when she was three years old, got it in her head that she wanted to fly. And she had a vision. Of probably having wings like a fairy and are flying on a dragon. But you know what? Like it might look a little bit different. But in the end, if you put that stuff out there, you can make it real. And who knows? Maybe she'll be a pilot, maybe she won't. But right now at 16 years old, she's doing more flying than driving right now. And it's pretty amazing. And it all starts with having that vision. So um great. I love it. So we'll tell them where to get your book and where to find you. And um, we'll and we'll say our goodbyes in a minute. <laughs>
1: Okay, you can get my book, um, www.iconicriches.com, Rags to Riches. And then the course is iconicriches.com, Rags to Riches in Action. And you can find me right on my email. It's at kpadetti, P-U-D-E-T-T-I at luxspa.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Thanks again.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.